Today we will be working out of uh, the Gospel of Mark, and we're looking at chapter 6, verses 30 to 44. So if you'd like to turn there. Jesus feeds the 5,000. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. He said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognised them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time it was late. It was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and the villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, You give them something to eat. They said to him, That would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? he asked. Go and see. Then Jesus directed them, Oh, sorry. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass, so that they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to set before the people, and he and he divided the two fish, the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was five thousand. As we look into the text and the account of the feeding of the five thousand by Mark, we are going to notice this text asking and answering three questions for us. The first one is, who is Jesus? The second one, why do we need Jesus? And the third, what does Jesus ask of us? I will spend most of my time looking at the first two points, and I will briefly touch on the last one, what does Jesus ask of us? So who is Jesus? Why do we need Jesus? And what does he ask of us? First point, who is Jesus? The question, who is Jesus, is at the very heart of the Gospels. It's at the very heart of the New Testament. It is at the very heart of the Bible. Every text in the Bible, in some way, points to the fact of who is Jesus. In a way, it points beyond itself. 
Two, the question, who is Jesus? Jono last week was preaching about um, things that happen in the Old Testament being like a sign or like it's pointing beyond itself. It's not the real thing, but it points to something greater. It points to who Jesus is. And so today, in this story, we will have a look at the question, who is Jesus, and what this text tells us about who he is. But first, let's let's explore who the world thinks Jesus is. What What does pop culture say about who Jesus is? Jesus features prolifically in many movies, at least a dozen movies, TV shows and TV shows. He's been in movies such as The Passion of the Christ. You might be quite familiar with that. At one end, you have The Passion of the Christ, and at the other end, you have um, Talladega Nights. I don't know if you're familiar with that. It's a movie with uh, an actor named Will Ferrell. And if anyone knows who Will Ferrell is, you will know that that movie is completely ridiculous. So Jesus often pops up in movies and TV shows. TV shows such as Family Guy and The Simpsons. He's also quite prolific in the uh, music scene. Lots of artists uh, will talk about Jesus in their songs. Um, Madonna, a few years back, had a world tour where she uh, would crucify herself, so to speak, at the end of her performance. Jesus features in many tattoos on people that you see around. And he's quite prolific in the fashion industry. One website I visited that offered screen printing for t-shirts offered thousands of uh, Jesus-inspired screen printed t-shirts. A couple that um, kind of struck me when I was looking through them was the t-shirt that had written on it, all I need today is a coffee and a whole lot of Jesus. And there's, and there's a, quite a famous one that you may have heard on called Jesus is my homeboy. I know when I think of Jesus, I probably don't think of him quite like that. Jesus is my homeboy. So in some way or another, the world is talking about Jesus. Now lots of folks will say about Jesus, you know, I believe he is a great teacher. I believe he's a great prophet. But Jesus claiming divinity? I just, I I can't believe that. I can't do it. I can't go there. I can't believe that a man was also God. And in our society, in Western culture and Western thinking, it's very difficult, it has become very difficult for us to take that step of faith and believe that Jesus was God. We like to rationalise everything. 
And people will say that with my modern thinking, I can't accept it. That is an absolute deal breaker. To say Jesus is God, it's a deal breaker. And they will come up with arguments to say that Jesus never claimed divinity. He did it. His disciples, they wrote it in later. They loved him so much or they wanted to make him something he wasn't, they wrote it in later and they made it up. Now that is very dangerous ground to be treading. When you read the Bible and the Gospels in particular and see what Jesus claimed and did, he never meant for us to he never meant to leave it like that. He meant to say, I mean you have to make a choice. You either believe I am God or you don't. C.S. Lewis, a great British novelist and Christian apologist, put it this way. I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the, re- the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sorts of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. What is, what is Lewis saying here? What is he saying? He's saying, if a man turned up and he said, I'm God, The only way to get to heaven and be with the Father is through me. And he had people believing that, but not only believing that, he went to the cross himself and he had his followers go and die on that proclamation. If knowing he was not God, how evil is that? So the decision you would have to make is, is Jesus who he claimed to be? Is he God? When you look at the things he said, I am the bread of life. When you look, when you look at the things that he did, he calms the storm and people say, who is this that, that he can control the weather? When he walks on water, What is Jesus telling you about who he is? And what choice are you going to make when you read through the text? Is he God? Or is he a madman? Now, if in your own reading you you come to the belief that Jesus is God, You have a look at what he said and did and the compassion and and how he treated people and what he accomplished. And you said, yes, I'm going to take that step of faith. I'm going to believe in in him. If you you come to realisation that Jesus is the Son of God, good. 
But that's, that's not it. That's not all of it. That's not the whole thing. It says, even demons knew who Jesus was. They knew he was the Son of God. And they shuddered. But it doesn't help them. So it's one thing to know Jesus is the Son of God. But why do we need him? Why did he come? That's the second point. When we look at the text in Mark, I want to highlight three passages, three passages that come to mind. So first, let's have a look at verse 33. It says that many who saw them leaving recognised them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. So we're having a look at what this text says about who Jesus is. Jesus' fame had spread throughout the regions. Many people flocked to him. Why? Because Jesus had the truth. Whether people loved him or they hated him, as often you see with the Pharisees, they couldn't deny who he was. They couldn't deny the things they saw in front of them. They couldn't deny what he was doing. And so, many people flocked to Jesus. The picture in the story is that Jesus gets his disciples and puts them on the boat to get some rest. And the people see them on the boat and they run along the shoreline and get ahead of them and get to where they're going before they land. There's something about Jesus that draws us to him. There was something about him that said, I have to go and listen to him. I have to go and hear him. In verse 31, we read that Jesus was probably exhausted himself. There were many people coming and going. Jesus had been teaching many people and healing many people. And the disciples have just come back from the mission trip. And he gathers them, to, gathers them together and says, let's go take some rest. Hop on this boat. We need rest. And so he tries to take them away. And when he landed, it says that he, can, he says that he continued to teach them. He continued to serve the crowd. It says Jesus looked at the crowds and he had compassion on them. <coughs> Hungry and tired, Jesus stepped out of the boat and continued to teach them. Now, I don't know if you if you guys have heard of this word hangry. <laughs> it's hangry. So what it means is 
you become angry when you're hungry. And a lot of you may know my two-year-old daughter Naomi, wandering around, and you see her here, and um, and she's really cute, and she wanders around, and she says hello. And... But if you come to my house around six o'clock, you'll see a whole different side of Naomi. <laughs> I generally get home around five thirty, and Vicky will be finishing off dinner. And so I'll go and I'll start playing with Naomi. I haven't seen her in a day, I've been at work, and I'll start playing with her. And literally, the flick of a switch, she realises that she's really hungry, and she becomes angry. She literally starts tearing the house down, pulling all the toilet paper off the roll, and pulling the wallpaper off the wall. <laughs> and me and Becky will look at each other and say, we need to get some food in <laughs> I bet you some of us can relate to that story. When I'm tired and hungry, I'm probably not the best person to figure out. But Jesus continued to serve. He continued to deny himself comforts of this world. And he served the people. He continued to do it. I want us to have a look at John's account of the, of the feeding of 5,000 in chapter 6 of the book of John. It says, After the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. So the question is, why did they try and make him king? And why did they try and do it by force? What, what was going on here? They'd just seen this miraculous sign of Jesus feeding 5,000 people with bread and fish. And they say to themselves, let's make this guy king. Look at what he's done. Let's make him king. Now for us living today, we we, we can often gloss over these texts, these, these little things that say why that they tried to make him king, because we don't fully understand what's going on. We don't have the rich history of the Old Testament ingrained in us like the Jewish people did, like the Israelites. We don't have that history. We didn't grow up hearing the stories about how God saved us from Egypt and led us out of Egypt into the desert. We don't grow up hearing every day about King David and Solomon and Elijah and Elisha and all these great figures of the Old Testament. But Jewish people knew this stuff like the back of their hand. 
And so they look at Jesus standing in front of the crowd, giving thanks for the bread and distributing it, effectively making bread out of nothing. And they start to join the dots. They start to say, we've heard this before. We've heard of this before. And as we have a look in Exodus 16, God provided the Israelites with manna for 40 years as they wandered through the desert. So here you have the Israelites in a remote place with no possible way to get food, going hungry, and God miraculously provides them bread to eat. And here Jesus is, standing in front of the crowd, in a remote place, he gives thanks for the bread, and he distributes it, effectively making bread out of nothing. And the Israelite people start to connect the dots. And they start to say, this man doing this thing, standing in front of us, he's claiming to be God. And the very act of him doing this, he's claiming to be God. We've seen this happen before, and it's happening again. Here is Jesus doing the exact same thing he saw his father doing in the Old Testament. So you, you see these verses and you see what this text is saying about who Jesus is. In point two, I want to talk about why do we need Jesus? Why do we need this man who claims to be God? When Jesus landed, in verse 34 it says, When Jesus landed, he saw a large crowd. He had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Now what does it mean to be sheep without a shepherd? What does that picture mean to us? We might think about, we see a sheep, we see some sheep in a paddock, you know, they're all fluffy, kind of a nice picture, although they don't have a shepherd, so they need a bit of directing. They look a little bit lost. But no. What does it mean for us to be likened to sheep? What are sheep like? When you think about it, it's actually kind of an insult. Because what are some of the characteristics of sheep? In my job, I'm a um, photographer at the Manitou Standard, and in my job, we um, quite often go out and we talk to farmers. We, we have a farming section in the newspaper and we talk to farmers about how things are going. And I was at this job where they put, a, where they put on an agricultural day. And there were lots of farmers there and they were talking to a, a whole group of secondary school students about farming and about what it's like to do their job. 
And a common story that you hear um, that you hear in farmers say is that sheep can be quite dull at times. They can do some silly things. And at this agricultural day, there was a farmer standing up and he was talking to the secondary school students and behind him was a paddock. It was fenced off and there was a few sheep in there. And he was talking away and so I was kind of um, mixing in the crowd and I was taking photos of him for the paper and doing different angles and things. And then I heard this almighty noise. And like I looked up from behind my camera and I noticed beyond the farmer a sheep had bolted from the middle of the paddock and run straight into the fence. Who knows why? It just run and gone straight into the fence. And the fences, you know those wire, you know those wire fences? It had managed to get its head caught between the two wires. It was just stuck there between the two wires. And I looked around and no one really bat an eyelid. It's likely we're used to things like that happening. I couldn't believe it. Now anyway, after some time there was a um, the sheep managed to kind of um, wriggle around and it managed to get out of the get out of the pen. And it wandered off and I went back to taking photos of them. And I swear not five minutes later it did the exact same thing. Straight back into the pen. I don't know, I must have been trying to get out or something. I don't know. Pretty stupid, right? That picture there is the epitome of foolishness. Literally, it's the epitome of foolishness. In Proverbs 26, we read this amazing graphic proverb, which says, As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool to his folly. I'll say that one more time. As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool to his folly. Can you picture what's going on there? Yeah? It's talking about foolish people continually making the same mistakes. They don't learn. Somewhat like the sheep. This is the picture that we get of the people. This is us. We're like sheep without a shepherd. We're confused often. We can make silly decisions and then we can make them again. This is a picture of how Jesus sees the people. So why do we need Jesus? In verse 34, it says, He had compassion on them. Jesus didn't disregard them. He didn't discount them. He didn't say, leave me alone, you foolish people. Even the disciples urged Jesus and said to him, send the people away. It's getting late in the day. Send them away so that they can go and get food. 
of Jesus with them. So not only was he tired and hungry and continued to teach them, but he fed them too. This is a picture of grace and abundance. It says that the Israelites ate the food until they were fully satisfied. Until they were fully satisfied. And after they were fully satisfied, Jesus asked his disciples to pick up 12 basketfuls of bread and fish. There was leftovers. There was leftovers. This is a picture of abundant grace. And remember that sheep that got its head stuck in the fence. Well, maybe this is you right now. Maybe you keep wandering off. Maybe you keep making the same mistakes time and time again. But if you study the text and you understand what the gospel is, this is the picture that Jesus is giving. Grace and abundance for his people. It's unmerited. So I said at the start that these texts point beyond themselves. What does this miracle mean? It is the gospel message. It is the gospel message played out in front of everyone. In John, Jesus calls himself the bread of life. Broken for you and me. Jesus' entire life was him serving the people. He was homeless. He was poor. He had nothing to his name. They took his garments off him and left him naked. They whipped him and they beat him. And they nailed him to a cross. And they raised him up. And as he hung there dying on the cross, he said, Father, forgive me. Grace in abundance. So finally, what does Jesus ask of us? Why did Jesus say to his disciples in verse 37, you give them something to eat? He knew full well that they did not have the resources or the means to be able to give everybody food. He was testing them to see who do they think Jesus is? Do you understand yet who I am and what I've come to do? They needed to come to the realisation that we, that they and we need to completely rely on Jesus. We need to rely on his strength and his power. So why do you come to church? Do you come for fellowship?
Township. Income can be seen serving and to be seen working. Income to have fellowship with each other, to feel good about yourself. Or do you come to see Jesus for who he is, to see why you need him? Do you come to accept Jesus as the bread broken for you? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for this picture of who you are and what you've done for us. We thank you that we can rely on, on what you've done in your strength. We thank you that you became hungry and weak so that we could have your strength. We thank you that you died on the cross for our sins, grace and abundance. We thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.